Hall of Fame coaches, national champions, lottery picks, the best minds in basketball. Welcome into the sidelines with Evan Daniels. What's up, college basketball fans? Welcome back into the Sidelines Podcast. I'm your host, Evan Daniels, the college basketball insider over at FS1, as well as the director of basketball recruiting at 24-7 Sports. Today's episode is the 70th episode and show of the Sidelines Podcast, and the featured guest is Shea Gilgis-Alexander, a guy that is expected to go somewhere between 10 and 15 in the upcoming NBA draft. And Gilgis Alexander and I talked about his time at Kentucky. We talked about his pre-draft process, and we also dug into his love of the game of basketball. Following that interview with Gilgis Alexander, I bring on a colleague over at 24-7 Sports, Josh Gershon, to break down his game and discuss how he's developed from high school to the NBA. Before we get to those interviews, I want to make sure that you are subscribed to the Sidelines with Evan Daniels podcast. The best way for you to do that is to shoot over to Apple Podcasts or SoundCloud, or your favorite podcast app, hit the subscribe button for me, but also it's very helpful and very supportive if you could leave a rating or a review. You can also shoot me a note over on Twitter. My Twitter handle is at Evan Daniels. Without further ado, let's jump to that conversation with Shay Gilgis-Alexander. It's time to go man-to-man with Evan Daniels. Send it in, big fella. Now let's welcome in former Kentucky star and potential NBA Lottery pick, Shay Gilgis Alexander. Shay, uh, I think I said your last name right. Did I get it right that time? Yeah, you did. Perfect. <laughs> uh, I remember back uh, when, when you were in, in senior year of high school, I think I had to, had to have you say it for me like four or five times, so I'm glad I finally uh, picked up on it. How, how are things? Um, good, good. Um, just enjoying the process. It's been going on the past, past couple months. Um, really just soaking everything up um, and really just trying to get better every day. That's awesome. Now, now you're in the midst of uh, the pre-draft process, as you, as you mentioned. What's uh, What's been your favorite part about it so far? How much of my life revolves around basketball. I love the game, and I don't know where I'd be in life, honestly, without it. And it, with it being such a big part of my life, and with it about to be my entire life, um, it's, it's a good feeling. And, and just me, me just getting that first taste of, of really just having to play basketball and work on my game all day is, is an amazing feeling. Well, what is it about basketball that really has drawn you in and to have this type of, of love for the game? I grew up playing it. Um, and as I got older and when things were going hard in life or whatever, it's always been like a safe haven to me, um, no matter what was going around, what going on around me. Uh, being in the gym and, and just playing the game that I love is, has always helped me in life um, and, get, and get past tough times. So it's just done amazing things for me, and I just I can't describe the love I have for it. Now, you're currently out in uh, Los Angeles preparing. Who are you working out with, and what has what your kind of training schedule been like? I guess, I guess walk me through that. Yeah, I am out here in Los Angeles, and I've been working out with a guy, Olin Simplis. He's really good, has great stuff. Um, I've, I've felt the transition in my game after a couple of days working with him. But, um, yeah, just this, as far as the schedule goes, it's workout, 9 a.m., then lift around 11, then come back at night and get more shots. And then throughout the week, I'll, we'll go to the beach and stuff like that, or we'll do a pool workout and, and, and take pressure off the joints and things like that. Yeah, so you've been uh, you've been doing other workouts outside of just basketball and street strength training? Yeah, ex- yes, I have. Since you left Kentucky, what, what's kind of been your focal point in terms of development? What, what are the areas that you're really focused on and trying to get better at? 
really trying to get my shot off faster and obviously trying to adjust to the NBA range a little farther back and, and just playing more explosive on both ends. Those are probably the main things, getting stronger. Now, you were at the NBA Combine a couple weeks ago in Chicago. What, what was that experience like for you? Um, it was a good experience, fun experience, um, being around a lot of the top guys from the class. and Yeah, it was it was fun. I learned a lot about the NBA and the lifestyle. Um, and now, yeah, that was our first little taste of the lifestyle, how you're on your own completely and how you get to figure out things to do with your time. You have a lot of free time. And, yeah, it was, a, it was a good, fun experience. What was the, the maybe the biggest or, or um, best thing that you learned while you were there? We learned a couple of things as far as how to be successful off the court and how to carry yourself in terms of a pro, um, taking care of your money. Um, the MBPA meeting covered all that stuff. It was really good. I learned a lot in that meeting. Now, how, how many teams did you meet with while you were out there? Uh, Thirteen. Is that something that, that you enjoyed? You know, I, I think some guys enjoy that type of stuff. Did, did you enjoy that, that portion of that process? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I just got to give them a, a taste of what I'm like. Um, I think I'm a, a good, charismatic kid and, and fun to be around, and I've been told that multiple times. And being able to, to show um, NBA personnel and GMs and, and head coaches and stuff like that, that only will, will help improve my stock. So, yeah, that was definitely a fun process for me. I was it, looking forward to it. Well, let's Shay. Let's let's rewind a little to to your high school days. You're you're a native of Canada, um, but you opted to play um, your last couple of years of high school at Hamilton Heights in, in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And uh, it, it seems like a lot of the best Canadian prospects are coming to the states uh, for high school ball. I'm curious of your take because you did it. Well, why do you think that is? I just think the the, the talent level is obviously a lot better in the states. Um, and there being more opportunities to get to the next level in, in the in the U.S., yeah, it just it opens a lot more doors for us. And a lot of kids, are, especially in the past couple of years, guys have been able to get to the NBA from Canada. And and you can say maybe a decade ago, that was that was a little bit far fetched, and a lot of guys would have thought that was a dream that would never come true. But with with kids seeing that stuff like that is, is possible, and it's happening a lot more often. I think going down south only helps their, their chances, um, being able to go to Division One colleges and stuff like that. And, and every kid growing up wants to go to the NBA. And the NBA is in the United States of America, and you gotta you got to play over there to get noticed on, on that stage. Of course. And when, and when you came over, you were – um, you were fairly unknown. I, I, I guess, you know, was there an event or a, a time that you really felt like you kind of grew and kind of took off as a prospect on the national scene? I started getting a little buzz going into my junior season in the midst of that. But at the end of my junior season, that off season, going into my senior season, I think I got a lot better. Yeah, I, mean, I, remember, watch, I, I remember watching you at City of Palms, I think when you were a junior. And I think yeah. that's kind of when you started to, to take off a little. And I think, you know, you really opened a lot of people's eyes at Kentucky this year. I, I guess kind of describe your, uh, from your standpoint, your developmental curve from maybe that junior year of high school to now and kind of how you progressed and, and how you've gotten uh, to where you are today. Obviously, it's a lot of hard work. Um, but I think with me being not as heralded as the other guys, in the class and stuff like that and, and coming from Canada and not having the big names the rest of the guys in my class um, allowed me to have the element of surprise when I get on the big stage um, 
Right. I feel like I I always felt confident in my abilities and know what I can do on the court, you know, how hard I work. Um, and I know that with hard work comes results, so I was always confident in my abilities and, and me just getting a chance to step on the floor against those guys will will only benefit me and allow me to show my work. So once I got that opportunity, I just want to be as ready for it as possible. You know, it, it's not like you were a, um, you weren't a highly ranked guy because you were still, you know, always a top 40 to top 50 type prospect. But did did you kind of use that type of thing as a motivation? You know, you mentioned playing against other top guys, going up against them, mm-hmm. but also from a working standpoint, did you kind of use that as a motivation to kind of drive you? Not really. Um, I wasn't really focused too much on rankings growing up. Um, I just want—I was just a competitor and wanted to see where I stood with those guys. Um, I wasn't really concerned about where I placed. Um, I just wanted to to work as hard as I, I possibly could in, in each given situation. Um, and I knew with, with my work ethic, I could take off regardless of what my ranking was or whatever you can say it is. No. Um, but yeah, that that wasn't really a motivation. A right. Motivation factor. Now you obviously had a really good freshman season at Kentucky. Average fourteen point four points. 5.1 assists, 4.1 rebounds. I guess assess your play from that freshman year. Did it live up to your personal expectations, and how did you think you performed? Um, I think I did okay. I always room for improvement. Um, the first half of the season, I wasn't pleased at all. Um, and then I got things rolling. Midway point, started SEC conference play. Um, but, yeah, I knew that it would eventually have to click for me um, with how hard I was working and and once it did, I just tried to keep it going and I continue to work as hard and not get complacent. You know, you mentioned the turning point midway through the season. What what was it? Do you do you have any idea? Like, was there a specific game or a workout or practice or what kind of led you to kind of flip on that switch? And because you really, the second half of the season, you were a different player than, than maybe the first ten games of the year. Yeah, um, that uh, during Christmas break. Um, I went home, watched a lot of film, um, and really just try to figure out why I was playing the way I was or as hesitant as I was. And I just I just tried to take advantage of the situation that I had the rest of the season. Um, I knew the half season was over, and I knew what I wanted to do with the game. And I just said, I'm going to give it my all the rest of the season. And, and I just tried to do so that game night in and night out. What was your favorite moment of the this past season at Kentucky? Um, winning the SEC championship. That was my favorite moment. It seemed like you really lit a fire under that Kentucky team. And I don't think, you know, mm-hmm. heading into the season, I don't think a lot of people expected you to be the best player on that team. But you were for most of the yeah. season. Did, did you feel like you kind of had to take a leadership role on that team? Throughout the season, yes. I felt that I, that I need to step up as a leader. Um, is knowing my abilities. Um, I feel like that's what we were lacking in the first half of the year, and and earlier on, we didn't have a definitive leader. Um, and I just me myself being the point guard and eventually becoming the lead guard on the team. I know that that's, that that's what it came that will come with it, and I know that me myself, I am a good leader. From, I just had to take on the role. Right from kind of digging in um, on your time at Kentucky, I, I've been told by. Uh, a lot of people that you had a very professional approach to your time there and, and you built a reputation as a, a really hard worker. You know, I've heard stories about you getting in the gym at 6 a.m., 7 a.m. every day. Well, where'd you kind of develop this 
mentality, and maybe it's kind of what we were talking about earlier in terms of just your love for the game. Yeah, I, I guess it's the my love for the game, um, and I just think I just want to be the best me that I can possibly be, um, and every chance I get to to step on the floor and and I guess better myself in this game, I just try to do so. Um, I know a lot of kids um, don't get a chance to play basketball for whatever reason, and don't get a chance to live up their dream. Um, and with myself being blessed enough to to be able to, I I just can't take advantage of it at all. Um, I can't get complacent with that. You know, John Calipari's had a lot of success with freshman point guards. Um, you know, whether it be Derrick Rose at Memphis or John or um, John Wall at, at Kentucky or Brandon Knight or Eric Bledsoe or De'Aaron Fox, like the list goes on. Obviously, you played that position. Uh, under him, in, in what ways did he help you in terms of becoming a better point guard? He's really good with leadership. Um, Coach Cal is obviously a great leader, leading a program like that, and he's helped me with things like, like the weak side and stuff like that. I just think as far as what he does for point guards is what he does for point guards is and their approach to the game. Um, what he really does is teach you how to be a pro, um, and he says. Uh, to work, to play for Coach Khan, be successful, he'd be really mentally tough. Um, and I think he does a great job of that, uh, preparing his players for the next level. Um, and you're going to go through a lot of things at the pro level, ups and downs. You need to be mentally tough to get through them and still succeed, and that's what he does the best. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. And now, I know you spent quite a bit of time around Canada basketball towards the later part of your high school career. How was that? Uh, helped your development overall and you know are any of the older guys within uh, Canada basketball have you uh, any of those guys you've been able to lean on and really get advice from um, I've got a lot of advice from Steve Nash um, he's helped me a lot um, both on and off the court um, and then I've got some advice from Corey Joseph and Tyler uh, as well a couple summers ago I soaked those things up and those things will never leave and it helped a lot too then What's maybe the biggest thing that you've been able to take from your conversations with Steve Nash in terms of development and, and being a professional? Uh, is there any, you know, a, a, a advice that you really took to heart and, and have stuck with? He said a couple of things um, that I, I would probably like to keep secret because I use those to my advantage when I play guys. <laughs> um, but he's also told me things like once you get to that level, um, your image is, is just as important and, and you're always being watched because of the level you're at. You have to act like a professional at all times, regardless of the situation you're in. Um, and that, I think that's one thing that's helped me a lot in, in this upcoming year. Now, now let's talk a little bit about the draft, Shay. You know, most most mock drafts I've seen have you going somewhere in the, the 10 to 14 range and have guys like Trey Young and Colin Sexton as going, you know, as the one and two point guard. And then you, I guess, give me your pitch. Why do you think that you're the best point guard in this upcoming draft? I, I feel like I'm the best playmaking, defending, and leader and leadership-wise at my position. Um, I feel like I do those better than any guy in the basketball, not just point guard. Um, I feel like my ability to get in the lane is really special. Um, but with, as far as that goes, I'm not really concerned about which point guard goes first or who gets the, the highest pick. Um, I, I'm concerned just going to the team that wants me the most and has the best fit for me and my playing style. So that doesn't really concern me. Is there, you mentioned playing style. Is there anyone in the NBA that you think your game is comparable to? I have a lot of a lot of guys. I wouldn't say it's it's one specific guy. I like to take bits and pieces from a lot of guys' games. So Chris Paul, 
um, in the pick and roll, for example. Or um, Kevin Durant transition, I like to watch a lot. And James Harden, isolation-wise. And say, I watch a lot of Patrick Beverly defensively. I just try to pick. A lot of guys in the NBA have a specialty, and I just try to watch your specialty and try to make myself the most well-rounded player. No, that makes perfect sense. You seem like a pretty goal-oriented guy. What are kind of your short-term goals with basketball and then kind of your long-term goals? As far as right now, I'm just trying to get the best out of every day uh, and maximize myself in every workout. And, and as far as long-term goals, I'm not really focused on those right now. Um, I just know that if I, I take over my short-term goals and all the awards and accolades will come with it. Right. Now, uh, my, my understanding is you're very close to your mother. What, what has her influence been on on your life, and particularly from a basketball standpoint? Um, she's helped me a lot. She's taught me some things as far as work ethic wise and approaching sports in general, not just the game of basketball. Awesome. Now, one thing, Shay, I, I like to ask every uh, every one of my podcast guests that come on: um, if you weren't on the basketball track, if you weren't uh, training to be a professional basketball player and basketball wasn't in your life, what, what, what would you be doing? What career path would you be on? A clothing designer, something to do with fashion probably. Well, Shay, man, I, I really appreciate you taking the time out. I know this was a time chunk. I know you're getting prepared for the draft. Uh, good luck in the upcoming draft, and uh, I really appreciate you jumping on the Sidelines podcast. All right, appreciate it. Thank you. This is De'Aaron Fox. Fox, who has his first 30-point game at Kentucky, has two more for 32 on the night. Well, they said he was like John Wall. He is listening to the sideline with Evan Daniels. Now let's welcome in a colleague over at 24-7 Sports and a guy that I uh, really trust when it comes to evaluating Josh Gershon. Josh, how you doing today? Great. Thanks for having me. Oh, of course. We're going to talk about and dig into Shea Gilgis Alexander, a guy that uh, we scouted in high school and had a pretty extensive look at Kentucky this past year. I thought he had a fantastic freshman season at Kentucky, over 14 points a game, five assists a game, uh, a kid with a lot of upside. I guess let's start from the high school days. Um, he wasn't a guy that was really highly touted in terms of being a five-star prospect, but was kind of in that 40 to 50 range during his junior and in, in senior season, what, what did you see out of him at, at that time? I think in, in the limited viewings, uh, I remember having with Shea in high school, uh, he obviously had the physical tools that so you can't mistake his size, length, and athleticism. I, I think there was some concern about whether or not he, he could play the one at the next level. Obviously, he quickly answered that question at Kentucky, but I think that was the biggest question. He he had to improve as a shooter, and he still does, but he made a big jump forward over the last season, and I think his feel improved, and he's answered a lot of questions about whether or not he can actually play on the ball, and to me, that was the biggest question entering college. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, I thought he was much more of a combo at best than a, the true point. Um, and I think some of this speaks to, and it's something that Shay and I talked about in the conversation and something uh, from talking to people around the program at Kentucky speaks to his work ethic. He is, uh, from all, everything that I've heard coming out of Kentucky is he is a tremendous worker, a guy that really puts in the time. And I think that's evident just based on his developmental curve, Josh, uh, from his junior year to his senior year to then his freshman year. Uh, in college, and I think you're right. He really proved that he can play that point guard position and play it very effectively. And I, I think another thing to note, Josh, too, is he was a different player 
really the the last two thirds of the season at Kentucky than he was maybe you know the first third. You know he he has games to start the season uh, against Vermont. He scored uh, four points. Kansas, he had six points. Troy, he had six points. Uh, UCLA game, he had six points. But then that second half of the season, he really ramped it up. And I, I, I just agree with you. I, I think his ability to facilitate and run a team is the area that he really showed uh, tremendous improvement from his high school days to that freshman year at Kentucky. It, well, and you spoke of his improvement over the, the second half of the season. And I think that goes to speak for his his trajectory really over the last two years is that's the curve that Shea has been on since we've been watching him. He, he's continuously improved and looking at him physically, like he, he's six foot six. He has a seven foot wingspan. He's a legitimate point guard. He has plenty of room to get stronger. He's going to be able to guard at least two, maybe three positions. Uh, he has, he has a high floor to me, but he also has an extremely high ceiling. And when you, when you add that trajectory to everything he has going for him as a player and a prospect, uh, to me, he's one of the, the biggest sleepers, most exciting guys in the, in, in the draft to me. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. I think, um, and I, I kind of wrote down some strengths, and I, the first one I wrote down with him was his physical makeup. And you mentioned the size and the length. Uh, that's really impressive for a point guard, especially in the NBA. And you mentioned the defensive potential. I, I think that's among his biggest strengths. I thought he showed that at Kentucky this season. Had 61 steals on the year. He could guard multiple spots. He moves extremely well laterally. He's got this massive wingspan, big hands, and he really competes on the defensive end of the floor. He buys in on that end of the floor. So I, I think the physical makeup and the defense is just where you start. And then you get into his ability to run a team and his ability to get in the paint. I mean, he, he can get paint touches, and once he gets in there, he's creating shot opportunities for himself, uh, for others, lobs to the rim. Um, and I, I think he's just continuously getting better and better and better. And there's some other really good point guards in this draft. There's Trey Young and, and Colin Sexton, and you know everybody has uh, those two guys. Uh, going ahead of him in the draft, but I think you could make a case that Shea Gilgis-Alexander has more upside than any point guard in this class because of the physical makeup, but because of the defensive potential, his ability to facilitate and run a team as well. Yeah, I agree. I mean, there's when you look at Sexton and his competitiveness, his defensive ability, his, his motor, uh, the energy he brings, it's, it's very much a known commodity, and with, with Trey Young, his his shooting and ball handling and being able to create also another known commodity, but they don't have the physical profile and, and two way ability. Uh, both of them that shade does his, he hits his, his very highest uh, potential um, some, some of the things he can do offensively uh, off the dribble from a body control standpoint, uh, his, his passing abilities really has terrific vision. He, he's very unselfish. I, I think he's only going to continue to improve as a shooter. Uh, his percentages were good. He's also unselfish. He doesn't take a whole lot of bad shots. I think with strength, he's going to be even better finishing at the basket. And, and obviously, defensively, as good as he is now, he, you can imagine what 20, 25 pounds is going to do for him. So I, I think that this kid's feeling is just extremely high. Yeah, no, I, I agree with, with just about everything you said. And I, I think with him, too, um, the, I guess the area of surprise for me, um, outside of just him being as good as he was at that position, uh, was his shooting. 
And he's a guy that I thought during high school where his biggest weakness was his shooting from three. And then he comes out and goes 23 of 57 and shooting 40% from three on the season. Now, it's a little bit of a set ball. But if you give him time and space, he's got capabilities of of knocking it down. Now, I do think with a, a, a deeper line um, that it's going to be an area that he's going to have to show and prove consistency for and, and an area to improve. A couple area, other areas, too, is I think um, just – taking care of the ball a little bit better, had nearly three turnovers a game, and then he's going to have to get stronger. He has that impressive physical makeup that we were talking about in a ridiculous frame, but he's going to have to add some weight on that so he can kind of take contact in the NBA because, as, as we know, the, the NBA is a man's game, and he's going to have to get stronger. I would agree, especially about the turnovers. You could see in the Kansas State loss at 316, he had some unfortunate turnovers in, in that game, and I spoke to the bigger issue in in terms of he does have to become better as a decision maker. And I think experience is going to help. Strength is is definitely going to help. And look, he's going to need some time. He's not this guy that's going to come in probably be as productive as a Colin Sexton or or a Trey Young at the same position. Uh, Probably from day one, just in that he's going to have to get a lot stronger before he's ready, uh, especially defensively. And, And that with the three-point line a little bit further out and him still not being all the way there as a shooter, that's going to take some time too. But I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And if you're a team, you know, in the in the late lottery that can afford to wait for your point guard a little bit, I, I, I think you're getting a, a player who could be really good. Obviously fit factors in here a lot, Josh. But, I mean, do you think he's capable and uh, a good enough prospect to go in the top ten of the draft? From an upside perspective, there's not any any question about it. I, I think that there could be teams that are going to worry a little bit about his floor. Just again, Sexton is so easy to peg. Just that guys like him have been pretty consistently very good in the NBA. I think the comparisons to Steph Curry are going to make people afraid to not take Trey Young, uh, even though there's concerns with with trade defensively and there's concerns with Sexton offensively uh, so I, it wouldn't surprise me if he fell behind those two guys but uh, at the same time look at if you're willing to bet on this kid's upside and believe in your ability to to get someone better it, it would not surprise me at all if some team in the back end of the top 10 was going to take a flyer on Shea no I, I, I would have completely uh, completely agree. I, I think this is a, a big-time prospect with a lot of upside, and it it wouldn't surprise me uh, at all either. Josh, I, I appreciate you taking the time out and uh, coming on the podcast and uh, talking a little ball with me. Anytime. That was Josh Gershon. I'd like to thank him and Shea Gilgis-Alexander for uh, for taking time out and, and getting on the podcast. I had fun conversations with both of those guys. Before I let you go, I want to make sure that you are subscribed to the Sidelines with Evan Daniels podcast. The best way that you can do that is to go over to Apple Podcasts, go to SoundCloud or your favorite podcast app, hit the subscribe button for me. Uh, it's also very helpful if you leave a rating and a review. You can also shoot me a note over on Twitter. I would love to know what you think of the podcast. My Twitter is at Evan Daniels. Thanks for listening and have a great week.